Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 103.9 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, World Series hero, Yankee hero, three-time Yankee, if I can remember that correct, and maybe one of the only guys who's played for the Yankees in the World Series and against the Yankees in the World Series, Jim Leeritz is our very special guest. Thrilled to have you, Jim. How are you? I'm doing good, Frank. How are you doing? Good. How about that fact? I'm sure that's something you've heard before. Uh, you, you played against the Yankees with the Padres in 98. And, yep. and, you, and of course, you played 96. Uh, what, uh, how many different people are in that category that have played against and, and for the Yankees? You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure how many. You know, I know you got Johnny Damon. you got some of the guys that went back and forth from the Yankees to the Red Sox. Yeah, but they didn't play uh, in the World Series. They, that was, I would say that's the playoffs. Yeah. So as far as World Series goes, I would probably say, you know, as far as from what I know, probably, you know, not, not too many in my era, if, right. if any. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's an amazing career, and, and you're one of those – people that stand out in history and, and you know, maybe Chambliss, uh, it would be a good comp to you, but these Yankee heroes that, uh, that you know, you can't, you, you can't sum up it in a word, but it's, it's your home run against Wallers that changed the whole course of Yankee history without that hit, and you can't get any more clutch than, than that hit, and I remember watching it and I was just blown away by it, and, and again, Wallers was considered just untouchable at that time. It was considered, and, and you took them downtown, and uh, it, it just changed the whole course of that series, took the, uh, the you know, the Yankees never looked back. And if you think about it, uh, the Yankees would have had a much different history, uh, you know, starting in 96, if they would have, uh, if you wouldn't have done that, if they would have lost that game, um, they, they were done for that series. There's no way they were going to come back three, uh, three to one. But you, you've got to be thrilled with your spot in the history. Well, yeah, I mean, one of those things, you know, it's one of those things when you hit the home run, you know, people say, oh, you must have been floating on air and you must have been, but you really didn't know what the impact was until a couple of years later. And like you mentioned, you know, in 1998, I was on the other team that lost to the Yankees with the Padres. Yeah. That 98 team would not have been assembled had we lost in 96, had they lost in 97. George yeah. would have fired Tory. He would have got rid of half the guys, Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit probably would have been traded because at that time he wanted to get rid of those guys. But because we won in 96, it kind of gave Torrey a pass for 98. And the fact that they were able to start that season off, and if you remember, they got off to a slow start that year. And even after the slow start, George was getting ready to, to, to you know, it had a big uproar going on. Can you imagine had we not won in 96, things probably would have been a lot different for those guys. Uh, yeah, it's a great point. It, it not probably would have been. It would have absolutely been a lot different. I, I remember uh, at the ESPY Awards that year. I remember the one line. And I forget who the host was. I don't know if it was Robert Wall or that was who's uh, like roasting Steinbrenner. He said, "Congratulations for getting rid of all those World Series heroes, George, or whatever." And Steinbrenner <laughs> laughed. You know, but I, you left right after '96, right? Were you uh, were you a free agent or were you traded? No, I was actually, it was actually a trade that I had asked for. We, we had gone to Mr. Steinbrenner after the World Series and said, you know, I would, le- I would love an opportunity to play every day. If you guys can't give that to me, will you please give me an opportunity to do that somewhere else? And if we can find a team that will be willing to play me every day, you know, would you be willing to make a trade? And he said, 
you know, he went to Joe and he went, you know, said, are you going to play Jimmy Moore next year? The answer was, I don't know. We got this young kid, Posada, coming up. And, you know, I'll use Jimmy, but I can't guarantee anything. And the Angels stepped up and gave me a three-year contract and said, we're going to make you our everyday catcher. And my agents made the deal. And I went into Mr. Steinbrenner's office in Tampa. That's where I used to work out in the offseason uh, after the trade. And I cleaned out my locker. And I said to Mr. Steinbrenner, thank you for everything. And he goes, well, what are you doing? What, what, what do you, you know, why do you have your bag? I said, well, I'm no longer a Yankee. I can't work out here. And he's like, put your bag back. Put your stuff back. You will always be a Yankee. And you will always be welcome to work out here. Wow! And that was just the kind of guy Mr. Steinbrenner was. Yeah, yeah. That's that, well. That's a very cool story. And uh, and he absolutely, absolutely should have been like that. You changed Yankee Yankee history. Any Yankee fan that um, that sees you in a in a in a, uh, in, in a restaurant uh, has got to pick up the check. This guy uh, Jim Liritz, Without Jim Liritz, we don't know where we would have been in the 90s and going into into the 2000s. Uh, Jim Liritz is our very special guest. If you're just joining us now, if you're just turning on the radio, Frank McKay here with World Series hero, Yankee hero, uh, Jim Liritz. Uh, Jim, who who did the Yankees get for you in that angel trade? You know what? That's a good question. I think it was, um, it was two minor leaguers um, that weren't, that really never panned out to be, to be much. You know, that's... So it was, it was an actual really big favor by Mr. Steinbrenner to allow that trade to happen. You know, everybody gets so caught up on uh, caught up on on prospects, and again, I'm all for holding on to prospects. If you if you're trading away prospects, uh, Mariano would have been uh, traded away, and Jeter might have been traded away, and uh, you know who knows, uh, Aaron Judge and all of these guys. But people get so caught up and they they hoard these prospects, like oh, I don't want to trade this guy. I don't want to. When you look back, I, I mean. It, you know, everybody knows who Jim Liritz is, but nobody, you don't even know who these guys are. I don't even know who these guys are that you got traded for. And, and you know, it's it really, it says something about the the game, uh, behind the game of, of baseball. Let, let me ask you about Mariano Rivera. And, you know, again, he's, uh, as we're speaking now, and people, a lot of people will hear this afterwards, uh, hopefully for years, be listening to this for years, but Mariano is obviously going into the Hall of Fame and he is a... Uh, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer without question. The only question we don't know whether it would be unanimous or, or uh, somebody's going to, one guy's going to hold out a vote because Babe Ruth wasn't an, you know, that type of thing. I, what was it about Mariano? Um, and, and again, you you saw him in 96. You played with him in that World Series. He was the setup man and he was a great setup man. Wetland was uh, Wetland was the uh, the closer. Uh, but did you see anything in Mariano that that pointed to greatness, or did he just look like a guy that was on a roll as a pitcher? Well, you know, it was interesting because he came up in '95 and uh, as a starter, and you know, that Buck Showalter was the manager back then. And when he was a starter, he actually got sent back down to AAA because he wasn't good enough. Yeah. And when he got sent back down, he was working on his um, you know, this this cutter that he was working that he that became famous but he was working on that to become a reliever and when he came back up you know he, he was you knew he was going to be good but even buck showalter left him in the bullpen in game five of the 95 playoffs because he didn't know what he had and we always say the same thing if buck would have known what he had at mariano rivera that probably would not have happened um and i think that's you know that's the thing is you put 95 was kind of his come out and 96, he was still able to have John Whitman as the closer so he could really develop his craft. And I think everybody saw after 96 
this guy's ready to be the closer, and he's going to be better than you know than what John Wetland would be. Uh, and that's why they got rid of the John Wetland the following year, and what with Mariano, and you know, but, but in 1997 he struggled. In 1997 he gave up the home run to Alomar in the playoff game that eliminated them, and George was furious. George wanted to trade him, wanted to get rid of him. And like I said, had we had not the '96 stuff happen, that might have happened. You know, he, he might not have stopped it, but I think Tory talked him out of it. Uh, Gene Michael probably talked him out of it, and smartly so because look what happened as far as what turned around in the history of the Yankees. Yeah, you're talking about the, it being a game of inches, and it's not only on the field; it's it's off the field as well, and all of these uh, all of these things that happen. I, l- let me go back to the home run against Wallace. It's uh, it's something I, I'm I'm sure you get sick of hearing, but uh, people don't never get, yeah, never yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you're in this moment. You're in this huge moment, and it could have been so easy just to to do anything but what you did. I, do you do you have any recollection? Uh, or would you have had any recollection of what you were thinking at that moment? What was going through your mind? Or is it only because you've been asked so many times? Well, no. I mean, the bottom line was, you know, in this situation, I honestly was on the was in, in the dugout, and I looked at Daryl Strawberry because I only had two baseball bats left on this road trip because I broke one or two in batting practice. And I only had two bats. I was catching the next day. I was catching Andy Pettit with John Gay five. And I, and I was standing next to Daryl Strawberry when they told me I was going to pinch yet. And I looked at him and said, Straw, you know, you, you just got these brand new dozen bats. Can I borrow one? Because I don't want to break one of my gamers for tomorrow. And Straw said, yeah, you can use one of my bats. And sure enough, I grabbed one of his bats out of his box and went up there to use it. And had I, you know, again, going up there with the mindset that I just didn't want to break a bat, I wasn't thinking home run. Um, I was just thinking about putting the ball in play and being able to get a base hit. You know, because again, Mark, Mark Wallace at that time was there. Mariano Rivera. Yeah. Oh, he was. Yeah. Right. Bigger. He was bigger than Mariano Rivera. I mean, he was. He was the boogeyman. He was the. He was everything. He was the monster, and everyone figured, oh. This is over, and and again, our guest today uh, is Jim Leritz, and I'm thrilled to have him. Any Yankee fan would be, any baseball fan would be. It's it's one of those names that will live in infamy uh, because of what he did on the field and just uh, an amazing, just a, an amazing uh, moment. What he did on the field in, in a crucial moment, and that's, you know, that's, that's when it happens, is in these crucial moments. That's when stars are made. That's when legends are there, and... Uh, again, Frank McKay here with Jim Leritz. And I remember saying after the World Series, uh, you know, to a couple of friends of mine, and they said, you know, Jim Leritz will always be a legend in this, no matter what happens. You can get struck by lightning tomorrow. Jim Leritz is going to be the reason why. It's like uh, David Tyree, in, in a way, right? With the with the right. big catch right. against the helmet catch or whatever. But I, how many years, actually, I'm going to ask you about your, 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 your life, like where you were born, where you were raised, but how many years did you play? I played in the major leagues eleven years and four years in the minor leagues. Yeah, and and before I get to your history, uh, ten years is a magic number, right? And and correct me if I'm wrong, but pension wise, uh, it's always been my understanding that if you coached uh, at the major league level or played at the major league, it didn't matter that uh, that if you get to ten years somehow, there's some magic number that you get uh, pension wise. Is that is that true, or am I going off of a false? Uh, yeah, yeah. If you if you reach ten years of major league baseball service, you are fully what they call fully vested 
In other words, you will have a pension, a full pension for the rest of your life. And then as far as the insurances, you'll be able to still use Major League Baseball insurance at a discounted price. And what's the well, full pension now? If, if somebody was to get their 10th year in now, Ronald, Ronald Torres, let's say, he would get to 10 years. Um, it, 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 starts, it starts at 43. And every year that you take it before 62, there's a penalty for taking it earlier. So basically, you know, and I'll just give you a quick rundown. On the numbers, 45 years old, it would be about six or $7,000 a month at, 55 years old, it would go up to about 10. And if you wait till you're 62 years old, as of last year, a full pension would have been about $17,000, $18,000 a month. Wow. Well, listen, it's it's not a bad gig if you can get it, but I, there's so few of you who, who can get to that point. N- never mind getting to the major leagues, sticking there, but sticking there for 10 years is a huge accomplishment. Um, again, Frank McKay with Jim Lyrics. Uh, Jim, where were you born? Where were you raised? Born and raised, I was actually born in Cleveland, Ohio, Palmer, for the first six years of my life. And I moved to Cincinnati in 1970. And I was raised in Cincinnati until I was 23 years old. Played my first year of minor league ball in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And uh, lived in Fort Lauderdale, had a home in Fort Lauderdale, and an apartment in New York pretty much the rest of my career as far as my playing days with the Yankees. You know, if I remember correctly, you're a Buckeyes fan, right? I'm a Buckeyes fan, but you're... Buckeye and Notre Dame, the, the two schools. My, uh, I grew up. I grew up more of a Notre Dame fan for basketball. And basketball was my number one sport out of high school, and I was going to go to college playing basketball before baseball. And uh, my dad grabbed me after my junior year of high school and said, "Listen, you're five foot eleven. You're white, and you, you know you can't dunk. You know <laughs> you you, uh, you, could, you could go and be a good college basketball player, but you probably are not going to go any further." But the scouts in baseball said that you have a chance to play pro baseball. What do you want to do? And I give my dad a lot of credit. He didn't make me choose. He said, what do you want to do? And I said, Dad, I want to be a pro athlete. And I even played my senior year, but most of my concentration, as far as basketball goes, but most of my concentration was on baseball. And uh, two days before the draft out of high school, you know, out of Cincinnati, Ohio, that year, Barry Larkin was supposed to be the number one pick. I was supposed to be the number two pick. And, Two days before the draft, I went out and played tennis, and I broke my leg. Oh, man. And the irony of this is, and it, just, it was funny, last June an article came out with these two scouts from the Atlanta Braves. The irony of it is the team that was going to draft me that year was the Atlanta Braves. Oh, man. Oh, and wow. These two, yep, and these two scouts did an article, and they told a story about when they were both walking out of game four in Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, and they were walking with each other, and they looked at each other and they said, do you realize that for $5,000, we could have just changed the history of the Atlanta Braves? <laughs> and the whole thing was, they, were, they, they didn't draft me, but they told me that they would come and watch me play at the end of the summer if I was healthy. And so they, I, I started playing at the end of the summer, and they went to my dad and they said, okay, he looks good. What is it going to take to find him? And my dad said, $10,000. And they said, we'll give him five. My dad says, no, you give me 10000 or he's going to go to college. And they let me go to college. And that's the, the, the big mistake the Braves made. Yeah, well, and you're not kidding. In retrospect, you talk about a game of inches off the field. It's a game of inches uh, for, the, for the Braves that they can never get back. Frank McKay here with Jim Lyritz, World Series hero, Yankee hero, uh, 11 years in the, in, in the big leagues, and just a, a, an amazing, a, an amazing career, wonderful uh, story and and without this man, uh, the Yankees 
history is much, much different. Their recent history, that's, you know, that, that's still recent history. That's 20 years, 22 years ago that this happened as we speak. Uh, Jimmy, what was your, uh, what were you like as a, as a kid? Uh, were you the best in your little league? Were you the best on your team? Were you a late bloomer? What was your, what, what was your take on, uh, on looking back of where you, where you were as a kid? Well, yeah, I was a very, I was very gifted as far as athletic ability. Uh, I could pretty much watch something on TV and then go out and do it. Uh, you know, it was one of the situations where in my sophomore year in high school, I, I wasn't playing football and I just got my license and my dad told me as long as I wasn't playing a sport in the fall, I couldn't drive to school. And so one day we were playing, my dad and I, I skipped school to go play golf with my dad. We come around to the 18th hole and my entire high school is out there. You know, a lot of the kids from high school are out there with my math teacher and there's tryouts for the golf team. And my math teacher sees me and says, what are you doing? She goes, you weren't in class today. And I said, yeah, I know. I was playing golf with my dad. She said, oh, well, we're having tryouts if you'd like to try out. I went out and I looked at my dad and said, Dad, can you wait for 18 holes? He said, yeah, I'll wait for you. And sure enough, I went out 18 holes and I made the golf team and I played three years of golf in high school. So I, w- I was very lucky to be very gifted yeah. at, at being able to pick up any sport, um, and, and, you know, just by, just by watching it. And so for me... It was, you know, I grew up also in the, in the Midwest where you had to play different sports because there was nothing that you could do year-round. So that was that, that was the way I grew up. And like I said, you know, you, I told you the story already how I finally decided baseball. And I think my dad and I made the right decision. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, way to go. What did your dad do for a living? He worked for IBM for 25 years uh, and uh, was an IBM salesperson. And wouldn't take promotions and wouldn't take job opportunities outside of Cincinnati because he didn't want to disrupt my brother and my sister and I's our life that we had in Cincinnati. He didn't want to uproot us. And uh, that was one of the decisions that in 2003 uh, had an influence on me deciding to quit the game of baseball instead of going back and signing with the Padres to come home and take care of my kids and be and, and take custody of my children and raise them as their father. Yeah, well, listen, congratulations on that. Uh, Jimmy Lyris, we got a, a couple of minutes left. Uh, wh- what else is going on in your life? Are, are you involved with a product? Uh, and, and again, if I'm misremembering that, uh, forgive well, me. Well, I am involved in right now. I, I work for, I'm the spokesperson for, for the last four years for a company called Pink Tie, or a charity called Pink Tie. Uh, Pink Tie, I know it. It's good, good yeah, stuff. Yeah, out of Long Island, which what we do is we raise money for all different charities and foundations. Uh, that needed financial assistance in New York and Rhode Island. And then the second thing, they, they're part of a title insurance company. Um, and the title insurance company is where I make my money selling title for commercial and residential real estate. Um, so other than that, I pretty much do, I probably play 50 to 70 charity events a year through the charity. Um, so it's, it's something I've been very, very involved with. I, I, I fortunate to have the baseball career to where it does help um you know it does help me get to have that platform to be able to go out and raise money uh for people that need financial assistance so that's basically what 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 i do right now well great job on all of that uh give us a website or a social media site if you would where people can kind of follow along with what you do well i do have a website which is jimlayers.com and i do have my twitter handle which is at the real Jay um, and then of course you can follow me on my Facebook at James J. Layers. So that's uh, that's that's my social media. 
Well, listen, congratulations on all the uh, all the charity work. Pink tie is is wonderful from everything I uh, I've heard about it, and yeah, I'm a Long Islander, so I I get it. Uh, it just anything we could do to be helpful there, you let us know. Uh, Jim Lyrich, congratulations on a great career, and and again, World Series hero, Yankee hero. Jim Lyrich has been our very special guest. Jimmy, thank you very much. Frank, I appreciate you having me. I hope you have a great, you know, hope, hope this turns out great, and uh, I appreciate you giving me the time. Uh, same here, Jim. Jim Lyrich, everyone, has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off. World Series hero, Yankee hero. Without this man's home run against uh, the seemingly invincible Mark Wallers. Uh, by the way, that was uh, Mark Wallers was never the same after that home run. Uh, but after that home run, the Yankees were never the same either. And the in the history of the modern day Yankees changed, and it was Jim Lyrich's clutch homer. You can't get any more clutch than that. And uh, you know, here's here's a man that will go down in, in Yankee history and baseball history of turning the tide for a whole franchise. Frank McKay here, signing off. Jim Liritz has been our very special guest. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down.